Known to many as the Millennial Mentor, Gerard Adams is a serial entrepreneur, branding expert, and philanthropist. In February 2012, Adams co-founded Elite Daily, the online publication widely considered to be the voice of Generation Y. By the end of 2013, the company earned $400,000 in profit and averaged 41 million monthly readers. Adams then sold the company in 2015 to Daily Mail for $50 million. With the goal of establishing his home city, Newark, New Jersey, as an innovation hub, Adams launched Founders, a social enterprise accelerator and mentorship movement to help others succeed in business. Founders offers entrepreneurs benefits that include a free workspace, mentorship, and access to funding. Over the course of his career, Adams has been featured in numerous publications, including Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and Inc. Magazine. He was also named to Silicon Alley's Top 100 list, which ranks the most inspiring people in the New York tech industry. By us not opening up about the stories, we all have a story. I don't care what you've been through, we all have a story. We all come from different backgrounds. You know, I don't care who you are, where you're from, what race you are, what gender you are. We're like, we're all, like, we all have such amazing stories. And I think if we just start being a little more vulnerable and start telling more about our stories, talking a little bit more about what's meaningful to us, I don't know, I think we'll, we'll really give more of that you know, positivity to the world and inspire. You never know who you're going to inspire. In this in-depth discussion with Ivy's co-founder, Barry Merrick, Adam speaks about his entrepreneurial journey and the lessons he learned by educating a new generation of founders. Please enjoy our conversation with Gerard Adams. You're listening to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the Social University. We are the Grad School for Life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. For more information about the Ivy community and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us at membership at ivy.com. Hello, everybody. We're here with Gerard Adams, the founder and CEO of Founders. Gerard, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm a, a, a huge fan of Ivy, so I really appreciate the time. Awesome. Well, you've had such a fascinating journey. Um, at age 24, you sold the company for $50 million. You've been involved in some of the most exciting projects, and now you're building this incredibly meaningful concept. And before we get started, I'd love to know what inspired you in the first place to get into the world of entrepreneurship and startups? Um, so for me, growing up, I actually think it was somewhat in my DNA. Like I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was, but I, was, I really was like a natural born hustler um, all the way from like being a child, like figuring out how to get the neighborhood to help me shovel all the houses and make money to selling candy when I was in elementary school to t-shirts to all, of my, all the way until I actually got in a position where I could have gotten in a lot of big trouble. I started hustling when I was like a teenager. I somehow, you know, gotten someone that was like, hey, listen, you know, you're social, you got all these friends, like, you know, take an ounce of weed, let's see what you could do with it, you know? And I was like this young guy who didn't know any better and was like, uh, all right, let me give this a shot. And next thing you know, I was going down the wrong path. I, I grew up in a neighborhood 
um, where I was blessed to have an amazing family. They gave me so much support. I learned so much from my mom and dad. My mom worked seven days a week, which was my biggest inspiration of why I wanted to become successful, to give back to her and have her to stop being, you know, working so hard. And then my dad really instilled leadership in me at a very young age. He used to leave little notes throughout the house with like quotes of like really great leaders, Marcus Aurelius, John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King. And it would just, throughout my entire life, I. You know, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, kind of cool dad, but like didn't really think of it until I got older. Like, wow, like he really was instilling his like leadership in me. But with all of that support, I still was succumbed to being close to what's this city called Newark, New Jersey, which is, we'll fast forward to why I started Founders, which is like really succumbed to, you know, gangs, you know, drugs, violence, like just, you know, it's a tough, you know, tough environment. And, um, I got caught up into it and I very, very quickly almost got a life-changing experience where cops pulled, you know, came all surrounding me while I was hustling and I thought I was gonna be arrested and it was gonna change my life and I was gonna be that failure that a lot of people around me kind of thought I was gonna become. And um, lo and behold, the person that was in front of me when I got pulled over by all these cops was stealing a car, committing Grand Theft Auto. And they w literally went from paying attention to me to then going and arresting this young guy right in front of me. And at that moment, I was like, wow. Like I could have just ruined my entire life and like completely ruined my family's legacy and name. And I just started thinking about all of that and saying, well, I need to take this hustle mentality and really channel it to something else and channel it into business and figure out what business is. And I didn't think about entrepreneurship. I was just like, I wanna learn about business. I wanna learn how to invest. I wanna learn about what makes companies successful. So that really was like the turning point for me at a very young age, at 17, you know? And, you know, my parents were like, you gotta go to college in order for you to be, you know, to get that success and to have that security. My, my father took that route. Um, and I wasn't book smart, you know, I hated school, you know, I couldn't sit still, like, you know what I mean? I had ADD, I just like, I couldn't learn in that format, you know what I mean? It wasn't like I didn't want to learn, it's just like that, the format of school at that point in time was like, it's put me in a box and I'm a creative and I'm like, you know, um, a, you know, a different type of person where I need to learn from doing and visualizing and experience. So it didn't work for me. But I was like, after that moment of almost getting in trouble, I was like, oh my God, I wanna make my parents proud. So I went to go to college. And within my first semester, I realized college is probably one of the, is probably the biggest scam in the world. And it's not that I'm not pro-education, I am. And I think colleges and universities will be around forever. But I do, I felt that the structure is broken. The system is broken. And, and at that time, like, I had to get into debt in order to get into college. You know, I would have, they were telling me what classes to take to earn credits to be able to get to the classes I wanted to take to learn about business. So I was like, man, this is like the biggest business in the world, you know, and they're, they're selling us. Man, they're making money hand over fist. And I was like, right at that moment, I looked at the internet and I was like, yo, the internet is a game changer. And if I was gonna fall in love with anything and double down on anything, it was that. So. I started trying to figure out how I can gain the, the courage to drop out and deal with my family looking at me as this college dropout. Right now it's cool, right? Like everyone's trying to kind of dropping out of college and becoming entrepreneurs. Again, I didn't even think about entrepreneurship. I thought about like, I gotta drop out of college and try to self-educate myself 
in order to figure out business. And you know, the number one thing that, I, that helped me was mentorship. And I was lucky enough to find a mentor early on. And that kind of started, started the journey of entrepreneurship. Yeah, thank you for sharing that very powerful story. And it's fascinating because what you're working on now, Founders, has a lot of these themes uh, playing through it. So can you share a little bit about what this whole endeavor is all about? Sure. Um, you know, it's crazy because, so, so for Founders, for those that don't know Founders, it's a social enterprise that provides progressive education through the principles of entrepreneurship and personal development. And our business model is a live, learn, uh, play model where we go into inner cities, starting right now in Newark, New Jersey, where my grandparents were and my, gran my parents grew up and my childhood was, my church is there. Um, and, you know, we're really doing social economic development in the area where we're building, we, we built a building, we're building out a district, we're bringing art gallery to the area, we're bringing brick and mortar to the area. We have affordable housing with our apartments, but then we have this really great creative space that was built um, based off this, the inspiration of a couple mentors of mine, uh, Howard Tolman at 1871 in Chicago, Tim Draper from Draper's University in Silicon Valley, in, in San Francisco, and Rob Durdeck, who's been like my first inspiration with Fantasy Factory. And I wanted to just build this really great, cool place where young entrepreneurs can, or, or aspiring entrepreneurs even, can come and, and have what I wish I had when I was 17, 18, 19, where it's an alternative way of being educated, being in this really cool collective environment where we, we go through an accelerated uh, curriculum called Seed to Scale in 12 weeks and learn how to go from an idea to scale with that, with a real product, getting customers. But through the curriculum, we do a lot of personal development. We really focus on the individual more than the business. We really look at ourselves as more of a human accelerator than we do a business accelerator. And we incorporate a lot of like personal development throughout the, every single day um, with the entrepreneurs. And um, our goal is to, is to take this brand, take this concept, really bake it out and make a social impact in Newark, where we teach the youth, we take, you know, we're, we're, we're building businesses, we're building entrepreneurs, we're building people there in Founders, and then it's, we incentivize them to get into the community with us, to teach entrepreneurship to the youth, to open up internships with our startups, with, uh, you know, for the high school students, to, um, we do city cleanups, we're planting trees, we're feeding the homeless, like things that we can do to really make an impact in, the, in that community, and foster an entrepreneurial community to create real jobs and real economic growth and then take that model and hopefully take it nationwide. Amazing, so if you fast forward 10, 20 years, what's like your dream vision for what this can become? Wow, you know, it's right now, it's uh, taking it like day by day and learning, you know, um, but you know, the, for me, it's, 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 um, it's just about as, uh, impacting people as much as we can, you know, being in as many cities, you know, really expanding it nationwide to, to, you know, in 2018, we really want to start that expansion and find ambassadors in different cities that would want to build a, build the founders in that location and provide them the tools and resources to, to take this to the next level. But, you know, in 10 years, the goal would be to be like Ivy, you know, and get it to go global, you know, have partnerships like what you have here at Ivy, have amazing partners, um, have amazing ambassadors. And the goal eventually to impact a billion people. Hopefully when I'm long gone, you know, it's still around as, an, as a real new form of education that's really uh, building so, bringing social impact um, and building social enterprises, you know, through in this, you know, in the U.S. and globally. Awesome. And what are some very practical ways in which people can get involved 
today. So whether as a participant in the program or as a mentor or a partner. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's many different ways. I mean, um, if, if, you know, first and foremost, we, if we do want our main target demographic are primarily like aspiring entrepreneurs or first time entrepreneurs. A lot of them are, you know, between the ages, believe it or not, I have, I'm speaking to kids that are 15 years old, which is really amazing that are trying to apply to founders. But our niche is usually around 18, 19 to about, you know, 28, 30 years old, um, our niche is between like even th more defined. It's like 19 to 24 seems to be like our core like target demographic. And you know, if you know of any first time entrepreneurs, people that are out there looking for guidance, but are not at the level of getting into a tech stars yet or getting into like a higher end accelerator just yet, but still needs resources, needs to be, you know, wants to be a part of a network and a group of other entrepreneurs that are trying to, you know, launch their business. Um, you know, we would love to, to meet them, have them apply. And then, you know, we, we're really looking for mentors. We're looking for partners, strategic partners that are interested in getting involved to just, whether it's mentor, become a mentor or speaker to our entrepreneurs, as well as wanna make real social impact in the community. Like come and speak to the youth in our community. We do, so right now we're talking to, I guess I can't name, I can't really name the company, but you know, so we're talking to a, like a, you know, a major, um, hardware company right now because the, what we're looking for is, for instance, with the youth in Newark, when we first opened up Founders, all the kids in Newark didn't have Wi-Fi. We were able to get Verizon to give hotspots to all the, all the, the uh, young students in Newark, New Jersey, but they don't have laptops. They don't have any of the smartphones. They don't have any of that. So like we're looking, you know, if you know of corporations that are, would like to, or you have the ability to help provide those kind of resources to give back to the youth, you know, we, we're looking for those kind of strategic partners that want to make an impact there. Um, laptops is right now something that's like a main focus of mine where, uh, you know, look, you could, look what you could do with a laptop, you know, in a dream, you know, and just a, a simple, and, and these young um these young kids that were that were teaching entrepreneurship to we just finished an eight-week program teaching entrepreneurship to middle school kids they don't have access they have very limited access to like the computer in their school and they're all waiting after school and fighting over that computer and they don't have any at home so you know things like that is um you know is gonna is gonna be really powerful for the community okay well we're excited to spread the word nice. uh, to the ivy community so you're really kind of like You've lived the dream that many of these uh, individuals who are enrolling and founders, yeah, they're looking up to somebody like yourself. And you've been involved in a lot of things that have had great successes. So now when you look back and you think about, as an entrepreneur, what made you successful? What were the qualities that others who look to follow in your footsteps should look to emulate or should look to cultivate in themselves? Yeah. So a bunch of things come to mind. I mean, the number one, one of the number one things for me that, that really helped me was mentorship, truly. You know, being an apprentice, being, finding mentors in my life. And it was a lot more difficult when I first started. You know, I had the really like old school, which I still recommend people to do, is like old school, like go to networking events, get involved with organizations like Ivy, get involved in different, you know, get out there, you know, and like actually go and find, and not just social media, but like find mentors that, that relate to you and a lot of people ask me like well how do you even get a mentor's attention you know and it's like figure out what's meaningful to them and understand that you need to bring value to them first you know how can you help them how can you give them value it's a two-way street and find something that's meaningful to them maybe it's something philanthropic you know you know maybe it's um you know it has to 
be do with sports. Maybe it's to do with art. Maybe it's to do figure out what's what's that trigger that really that that's meaningful to them, you know. And start there. Write them a letter, you know. Like show them that you really genuinely care and are willing to go the extra mile to get you know to get their help, to get their attention, and then provide value to them. And the mentorship that you can gain back is worth more than any any amount of money in the world. The mentors that I've had throughout my entire career. It's been unbelievable, the, you know, what it's done for me, how it's helped me, like, give me the guidance I need, give me the support, help me find strategic partnerships, and they've invested in my company, they've introduced me, and the list goes on and on, and my circle of influence has gotten to be so strong, and you know the saying, it's like your network is your net worth, right? So I would say that, you know, all the things that you, you probably know, right, it's a lot of mindset, so like having the courage to like pursue it, having like don't have, don't faith, don't have any doubt, fear, like if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you need to get so comfortable with no's that like it doesn't even phase you, like it's, you know, you're going to have it throughout your entire life, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, people judging you, doubting you, all of that. You know, you have to just get comfortable with it and just keep on going, keep pushing forward, no matter how many no's that you will face. And um, don't be afraid to be different. You know, when I went to go start Founders in Newark, New Jersey, people were like, you're crazy. Like, the pro- like it's the hood. Like, there's no entrepreneurs over there. There's nothing. Hap- like, how are you going to do that? And like, believe it or not, like, it scared the hell out of me. I started there and I was like, what am, how the heck am I going to get people to come to Newark, New Jersey? How am I going to foster entrepreneurs in Newark? It's, it was really scary but you have to do the things that you fear the most always go to what you, the unknown and always do the hardest thing to do and if you do that i think you find your true characters always try to like differentiate yourself um that's a couple of things those are you know a couple of key things i would say one, one thing i want to ask is so there are people who are you know they're just born in very advantageous circumstances for for example maybe their family has a lot of resources or they're naturally just very good at traditional school so they get great grades and there are lots of things that they have on their side that could that could help them succeed and then there are other individuals who are you know not as like advantaged background um, maybe you know don't fit into the traditional mold of like what schools expect you to do and you mentioned some of that um, you know just like maybe not in the right post zip code to like you mm-hmm. know to have that natural progression, uh, the, the progression that is yeah. most tra- more traditionally expected in society. So what would you say are like some advantages that people might have who are not coming from that advantageous background? Like, because you talked about the hustle, you talked about the resourcefulness, being out of the, like thinking outside the box. Do you think like when you're saying like, okay, Newark, people think, oh, there are no entrepreneurs there. But is there actually something that for someone coming from that environment could actually have an edge over others. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, we've already had some entrepreneurs that have gone through our last cohort that some of them, you know, one in particular had a, you know, fantastic, unbelievable upbringing, you know, and, and a family that's just very successful. And she came from Boston and she went to a great university and her brother was one of the top engineers at Groupon and helped him build her app. I mean, all these great things to help her, you know? Um, and we were talking about this and it's, you know, even my, my co-founder, Elite Daily, same thing, came from a great background, but I don't think, I think, I always say, I, it, not anybody can be a great entrepreneur, but a great entrepreneur can come from anywhere. And it doesn't matter what your really background is, it's just like who, your, what your character is. And, but having this mentality of like nothing to lose and 
you know, the, do whatever it takes because like I already know what it's like to just be at that rock bottom. You know, people in Newark have that. And, and it is, a, I would say like, it's something that I bet on, you know? I mean, I, I don't think it doesn't change the fact that you can be, you can come from a great background. You can come from amazing, like for me, I haven't, I may not have grown up with a lot of money, but like I grew up with such an amazing family and I'll take that over money any day of the week, you know, with love and support and things. And I think if you have that, I do think that like, that's more, that's so important. And for those of you that don't have that, it's, it's you know, you can't the, the, the usual, uh, let your past define your future, right? Like figure out, take control. And that we like to say I found is like, own it, like own it, like fuck it, you know, like, you know, it is what it is. You can't change the way that what happened growing up, but what you can change is like what you can do right now with what you have, with where you are, and just like push forward and, you know, make that decision and make that choice. I saw some of the people that grew up with the most money in the world and they're like so messed up because they, they maybe got, they still gotten caught up with maybe, you know, drugs or, you know, or getting, being, taking things for granted or, you know, I just, at the end of the day, I think whether you come from nothing or you've or you've come up in, in a um, you know in a situation where you're you're blessed, take ownership of who you are and what you want out of life and what is your and think about like what is your, truly your purpose and how are you gonna like pursue it every single day no matter what. I love it. So you gotta just own it. Yeah, That's own a it. great great motto. Uh, you also talked about you know the power of stories and sharing stories and getting out there and people are not as comfortable with that and obviously you founded elite daily so you know a thing or two about content what would be your advice to people when it comes to like spreading their story and like being more comfortable like with the content that they share i mean i think it's like the one common denominator for me like throughout my entire career has been content creation and storytelling and i think right now more than ever before it's like so powerful to to start to share you know your purpose and your story and i think a lot of people right now look at social media and they want to create that you know a perception um, they're either scared to like really open up about like you know what they're what they're passionate about what their purpose really is or or there's some people that look at sharing their you know that look at social media and they maybe just want like the fame and and, or, and the likes but i look at it as like an opportunity to build real community if you can start opening up about you know your your background and what you've been through and like being vulnerable like not a lot of people like so many people fear vulnerability and i think if you can just open up a little bit and be a little bit more vulnerable that's like the first step of like coming out of your comfort zone being vulnerable, talking about the uncomfortable things. And, and you're gonna have people that are gonna doubt you. You're gonna have people out there that are gonna judge you. You're gonna have friends that are gonna be like, why the heck are you like doing this? Why are you posting about that? Like, I don't know, it just happens, you know? And But you'll start to just naturally, I really do believe that it starts to cause this like law of attraction. And you just start manifesting the right people in your life. They're like, man, I went through the same thing. And you know, whether it's, I don't know, it just starts to attract people into your life and you just never know who you can inspire and I think that like by us not opening up about the stories we all have a story I don't care what you've been through we all have a story we all come from different backgrounds you know I don't care who you are where you're from 
what race you are, what gender you are. Like we're all like we all have such amazing stories. And I think if we just start being a little more vulnerable and start tell, telling more about our stories, talking a little bit more about what's meaningful to us, I don't know. I think we'll we'll really give more of that you know positivity to the world and inspire. You never know who you're going to inspire, and it'll just it'll attract opportunity to you. You'll attract a better circle of influence. You'll attract community. You'll start to you know, I mean, even op- just different, even business opportunities. I mean, for me, it's like, since I've started opening up about my personal story, I'm doing things like this, you know, I'm traveling the world, I'm getting, I'm working with brands, I'm attracting people to join my team, you know, it's, it's I'm building community. So I just think there's never been a better time than right now to, to start to like be vulnerable, figure out what platform you want to own. I get it can be a little bit like tough because there's so many platforms nowadays, you know, and it's like, how do you manage all of them? But you don't even have, you can literally start by picking one and just doing it consistently and opening up about it. And you don't need to have the best cameras or anything else. It's just like, just get started and start doing it and doing it consistently. And then over time you can start to like, you can start to get more comfortable with, with doing it and getting better and better and better. And, um, that's what I would say. All right. There's uh, one story that you shared um, that where you were showed quite a bit of like vulnerability uh, around like a financial loss, I believe. Do you mind sharing uh, what that story was? The day I lost 20 million. Um, that was, uh, there's, you know, even, even the story when I opened up and started talking about like the, the time when I had to hustle and I was a teenager and you know for a very long time I feared like opening up about that right and it's like I continue to push myself to open up and be more vulnerable um that that day was um I'll never forget this is when I learned about ego you know I was lucky enough to learn about um investor relations public relations digital marketing um and i started a marketing agency when i was in my when i was like 19 20 years old and i built that up to do about 10 million in revenue and um was i started taking the money that i was making and investing it into the marketplace similar to like a warren buffett model where i would travel and meet public companies that i believed in one being in guanajuato mexico where i was met the ceo robert archer was a company called great panther silver and I went and interviewed the CEO and I, he took me down into mine and he took me deep down into this like, to show me what it's like to be a mining company that's in production. Cause I used to think you should just chip gold off of the freaking mine and gold would fall down. And he, you know, he taught me how like he, they would take out the ore, send it up to this mill, crush it, you know, put it through like, you know, um, how they liquefy it, all these things. Like, you know, this was like, sheesh, like maybe, this was like 10, over 10 years ago. And, um, and I believed in this company and I had taken the money I invested and I had invested it into the public market. And then I would tell everybody like, I've, in public, I've invested in this company. This is why I believe in it. Here's the interview with the CEO and I'm disclosing, this is my investment and I'm gonna hold it for six months. And I had multi-million dollar trades and I thought that I was invincible. I thought like I like I get it like I understand my research. I was uh, I would base my investments off of fundamentals. So I, I mostly companies that had strong cash position, strong balance sheets, you know, strong revenue growth, good you know good story that that they were hitting a market that they were like a leader in. And I thought I was like invincible. And one day I invested into a TV everywhere company that owned the patents for streaming content to digital devices. And as we know, like that's definitely true. But what I didn't realize is that like timing is so important and you never like, 
You really tell I timed it right, right? I wouldn't do it again today. And I didn't time that, didn't time it, you know, perfectly because I invested in it. I was up $20 million in my portfolio. I went uh, with this stock and the market crashed during that, the, if you remember the financial crisis between 2008 and 2010, and I lost it all. And I'll never forget that day because I thought like the stock was gonna continue to keep rising and then I was, you know, I almost stopped paying attention to it. I'll never forget I was in a, on a, a, one of my mentors going to Greenwich, Connecticut, and I wasn't even paying attention to the stock. I'm like, yeah, it's gonna keep going and you know, all these things. And I had, you know, I, I'll never forget, you know, the, the market crashes and then seeing like all of that go to, and diminish. And at the same time, my business is gone because no one wants to advertise because the market crashes and I didn't know what to do. Um, and that's like big ego check for me that it can all be taken away from you in a heartbeat, you know, and never to focus on the money. And I, th that's when I really started to think about like, what do I really love doing? And I always say like money never leads, it follows. And I, I stopped focusing on the money at that point in time. And my mother was a really big inspiration. I talk about this on my TEDx. And when that happened, I didn't want anybody to know because I had this like reputation where I was like, I finally became successful. I overcame all the doubt. I overcame all that adversity. You know, I became a millionaire. I'm good. Like I had all this stuff going for me. And I was so nervous about like what my reputation being losing it all. And my mother said to me that when she get, came here into this country, my mom was born in Colombia. My grandfather immigrated from Venezuela. And my mother told me that when they had a studio apartment with all my aunts and uncles, one day she walked home from school at 15 years old and the apartment was on fire. And she thought like, God forbid, something would happen to her brothers and sisters. Luckily my family got out, and, um, but they lost everything but the shirts on their back. And my mom was like, if I was able to, I had to go to my school teacher, beg them crying to allow me to take night classes to go get a job because my grandparents wouldn't be able to put food on the table. And then I'm so young, I couldn't get a job in New Jersey. So I had to take a train for the first time ever to Canal Street in New York City and get a job managing stands in the middle of the winter on Canal Street. I never knew this about my mother. And she's crying to me, telling me this story. And she said, I went through that just to get a little bit of money to help our family eat. And then I started working in the supermarket. And my mother worked at the AMP her entire life until I was able to help her. And I saw my mother struggle. And my mother said, if I was able to overcome that and then put the roof over you and your sister's heads, you best believe that you can get out there and do it again, because they'll never take this, they'll never take this from you. And that was like, whoa, like I better get out there and do it again. So that was like my inspiration to start to look at what is, what do I love? What do I love doing? And it was create storytelling, creating content, creating videos. And, that's when the whole idea of creating a new publication for millennials, by millennials, you know, why not create it if this is what we're looking for and this is what we're passionate about. And that's when Elite Daily was started. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing the very powerful stories of hardship. Um, and usually that's where we can all learn the most. But let's switch gears now. Let's talk about Elite Daily, which was actually a huge success story. So you mentioned storytelling, videos, content. You were excited about that, something you loved. But how did you actually make it happen from scratch? Now there's so many digital media companies, yeah. but back in the day, that was extremely innovative. So yeah. what was the story? So we, when we first started it, it was, again, scary, right? Like, always do the scariest thing, the unknown, the most, you know, the hard thing to do. And in the beginning, it was like, well, 
we are not journalists and we don't know how the heck we build a digital you know, public, media publication. But we had this goal, we're like, we wanna be the biggest millennial publication in the world. And then we literally started, you know, we bought the domain name for $9.99 and we literally started by just interviewing each other and then interviewing our friends and then telling every one of our friends to share on Facebook. And we just realized that like, Facebook gave us the ability to really truly scale quickly to make our content, but we had to make content that was shareable and that people wanted to actually digest and share, especially in this ADD generation where millennials don't even want to read anymore. And, um, you know, for us, it was a lot of testing and experimenting with, with the platform and trying to figure out how, how, what we can do to actually get articles shareable, viral, and um, it was really difficult in the beginning to build our team, but the, the biggest thing that we did that allowed us to, to prosper early on was create a really great culture and get people to, to and get young millennials that believed in our mission and that wanted to have a place to share their stories. And we created a really cool dynamic. I mean, we had a, you know, we started in an apartment and we created a really dope atmosphere, really cool, really great culture in, inside the, um, inside our first office. And then that grew into um, we joining an incubator in New York City that, um, that also helped provide some resources for us and then just basically allowed us to um, create a really great environment for, for our, our team to be able to, to grow. And um, then basically it was like starting to master uh, the fact that, you know, how are we gonna scale content? Because we realized that we needed to get to 80 to 100 articles per day in order for us to get a, like, a very uh, across the board viral um, content that would basically, you know, really drive the traffic that we needed in order for us to, to monetize. So we created a contributor network and we basically talked to Ariana Huffington, partnered up with, with them, learned a, a little bit about the contributor model and then went on tour to different colleges and then through like giving them swag, you know, getting them involved in coming to New York, getting them involved in our culture, getting involved in doing events like at EDC, going to Ultra Music Fest, going, just doing different events and gaining, and gaining like really building that culture, we were able to get contributors at all the different colleges around the nation, which got us to about 2,000 contributors, which then allowed us to quickly scale to 80 to 100 articles per day. And then um, we ended up getting some really great advisors. So we were blessed to uh, quickly find uh, a gentleman named Andrew Reese, who had built a platform before, um, a video platform, and was able to guide us on how to monetize the website. And then we saw John Steinberg leave BuzzFeed to go to the Daily Mail. And we were like, if there's anyone that we can learn from, it's this guy, you know, he's the COO of BuzzFeed. It's like a peer of ours. You know, he's leaving to go to the Daily Mail. So I tracked him down at a Morgan Stanley event. I ran to the, waited at the door for him. And uh, when, he, when he finished his speech and he was walking out, I was just like, you know, pitch, elevator pitch to John, right? You know, we have this unbelievable culture. We built this brand elite daily. We're the voice of Generation Y. We're, we're growing, I think at the time we were about like 20 million unique visitors on track to, you know, on track to go to like 40 million unique visitors. And, you know, we were able to get him to come to our office and see what we, see our, our team, see our culture, look into our analytics, of course, and then see that we were the real deal and that we truly had, you know, we have nailed down this virality component and we were able to really understand 
content, what was shareable, understand that, you know, all these little things about titles, odd numbers work better than even numbers, what were the different keywords that we noticed that were going more viral, how did we study, like, what were the trends, the daily trends of news that was, like, that was popping and, like, you know, studying the fact that in the beginning we thought it was going to be more male-driven, but it was actually more female-driven and dating was the most viral, you know, the, the, the most tracked vertical for our site. So, like, doubling down on dating and, like, you know, slowly building out our tech team to understand, like, data and what, where they're coming from and, like, all of that. And um, as we started to invest into tech and as we started to invest into our team and we started getting those advisors, slowly it just started to... And we just loved what we were doing. I mean, we were creating so much cool content every single day. And I think the key was the fact that like we were having fun, man. We loved it. You know, we loved it. We had such a great team, great culture. We timed it right. We were able to figure out how to scale efficiently. We built it on WordPress, so we like we built it a very on a very efficient backend that was scalable with an open API to build on top of, and that allowed us to easily quickly scale. A lot of people think that like with tech, you need to go and build from scratch, you know. And you need, a lot of engineers, when you build your tech team, you got to be very careful because you can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars building tech, and at the end of the day especially in the early stages, you don't need to do all that. I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I've met that decide, think that they need to spend so much money in building from scratch the brand new platform to be completely different. And I know it's exciting to do that, but you can build some amazing things off WordPress. We were able to manage 80 million unique visitors per month off of WordPress. You know, so, you know, realizing, realizing that was, um, was important for us. And the lessons that we learned, though, were like also like, how to manage a culture, when to fire, you know, was more important than hiring. And, uh, you know, like how to cut, that, cut out the cancers, um, learning how to budget, you know, because like we were growing so fast that like we got really excited about hiring. And next thing you know, our burn was like through the roof. How are we gonna maintain that burn? You know, and then that's when we, were let, we went through having to raise capital and then go to venture capitalists. And I learned a lot about VC, you know, and like, it can, it can really help you, but at the same time, um, it puts a lot of pressure because they care about, you know, I, I genuinely feel that depending on the right, you have to get the right investors that truly believe in you and will support you as a founder. We've had, we had really good investors, but we also had some investors that I feel didn't really support our mission and was more trying to, um, you know, to, to, to work against us when we wanted to raise our next round. They were trying to like actually hold our valuation down so that they can get in cheaper rather than helping us to be able to build the valuation to, to uh, earn money at a higher round. And that put us in a tough position come towards the acquisition. So lo and behold, you know, we wanted to get that guidance from John Steinberg and then he offered to buy our company within six months, which we didn't see happening. You know, it was like maybe down the road, Daily Mail buys, we didn't realize it was gonna happen so fast and then everything in my life stopped, you know? And I, we were running out of capital. Our burn was through the roof. We had like three months of runway we have 200 employees that are like hustling. We're 80 million unique visitors just fucking going through the roof. So we, you know, and we have this buyout offer. So it's like, do you sell? You're just like in this crazy trajectory, but you also need to raise money to sustain the growth. And the VCs are like, I'm not gonna help you raise money because we want you to sell. So you're just like in, an, in another, you know, win in our portfolio and, we, and that goes to our, you know, our, 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 you know, our uh, bottom line for the fund. And we're like, well, maybe that's not the best thing. Maybe we should be at least testing out raising, 
if we can have another round as another option. So we have different options on the table. So I was able to quickly, within 10 days, raise $5 million to put that option on the table. And we got to the board meeting and I made a speech on why I believe that we should consider not selling the company. We have now runway, we have, I was able to raise that money. But my co-founders didn't, didn't want to continue and I took them into another room. We looked each other in the eyes and I'm like, guys, I did my part. I just, I wanted to make sure we had another option on the table to get us the best deal possible. I think that we can go one more year at least and we'll get a much higher buyout offer. This is just the beginning for us. We're on this trajectory. And my co-founders you know, looked at me and said, Gerard, we did it, man. This isn't the billion dollar exit, but you know what? We have 200 people back in that office that believed in us. This, this company can give security to our dream. They're a billion dollar organization and Facebook's changing algorithms and there's a risk that a lot of our traffic will get hit within this next year. And if that happens, then what? So I looked them in the eyes and I'm like, are you sure you wanna do this? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, we started this thing together, so we're gonna finish it together. Went back into that room. I was the blocking vote and I was like, it was the hardest thing. As crazy as that sounds, it was the hardest thing to do. Because it's like your baby. You saw this thing from inception, just an idea buying a domain in GoDaddy to 200 people. And it was less about like, it was even less about the fact that I thought that we could eventually sell for more money. It was more of the fact that we created such an amazing culture. We had so many people, we had so much fun. It's like, what, we're gonna leave that all behind? You know, it was so difficult. But I made the vote, we all then, you know, past the, uh, the acquisition, we sold um, January, about the end of January uh, 2015. And then we celebrated, you know, um, it was really difficult, but then that's when I was just like, what the heck's next, you know? Like, and, and luckily it led me to, I, I believe my purpose now with founders um, and like thinking about true social impact and legacy for me. And so I think it was the right decision. Although for, for a little while I was like, somewhat depressed missing it you know but now we're building a new culture and a new community while making social impact and real change so i'm i'm blessed and i think that was the right decision absolutely i mean it's an incredible story really appreciate you sharing it and what i want to do in the couple minutes we have left is um real quick fire just your advice on a bunch of topics you know that relate to this whole story that you described so just a quick advice, couple sentences on each one, okay? okay. So first one, picking your co-founders, what's most important? Um, that they have the same values as you and that they have different skill sets than you. Don't try to just partner up with your friends because you guys get along. Find people that have the same values as you but like really um, have different skill sets. Okay, what about um, hiring? When you're choosing employees, what's most important? Um, it's if they fit the culture first and foremost like do they fit did they fit the culture of what your company is do they fit the credo do they fit the values of this company um, I think that's like the most important thing more than a college degree more than where they what they've done beforehand it's like do they really hold this the values of your company and um, are they willing to do whatever it takes are they willing to realize that like Especially if you're a startup, it's not a nine to five. You know, it's not. And, and they gotta be willing to understand that like, this is something that we're like, 
you have to be all in with us. It's not just, you know, it's hard, it's hard when you're a co-founder because not, every, not everyone's gonna act like a co-founder, but like they have to really believe in your mission and, and you have to also understand their goals. Where are they trying to go in life? And how can you work together to accomplish the goal of what your company is and your mission and making sure that they fit into that culture, but then also you understand their goals as well. And then uh, you mentioned uh, during your story, also when you scale fast, you hire lots of people, and then sometimes you realize maybe it's not the perfect fit. Maybe it's because of the company, maybe it's, uh, so when it comes to having those tough conversations about you know, yeah. people needing to move on, any, what's your, like your one key piece of advice when it comes to that? Um, I think that, you know, this is like my heart, the hardest thing for me. Like I get, my kindness gets taken for weakness my entire life. Like I have a big heart. It's really hard, but not everybody is gonna fit. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that, one thing I would say is this, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means that it's just not a good fit. They don't fit the business. And you have to do what's best for the business. So like what I would tell you is, and I learned this the hard way, stop giving people so many chances. Like stop. I give people way too many chances. Give people like a chance, of course, but if they do not, it's like what your grandma would tell you, right? Like, do it once, make a mistake, learn from it. Do it again, it's like you're at fault, you're an asshole. So it's like, give people a chance, but if they continue to show you that they're not dedicated and they're not willing to like do the work that they're supposed to and be at, and, and really perform at the highest level and they really care about doing it, not only for the company because they wanna, that, that's their character. They wanna do the best they possibly can because that's the role that they're gonna own. You know, no matter what. And it could be the littlest role to the freaking down to up to the CEO. And they, if they're not meeting that standard, one shot and then cut them loose. That's it. And just make sure that you know. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It's just what it is for the company. And you touched on investors. So if you had to distill it into like one piece of advice when you're selecting an investor who basically becomes an owner, a partner, uh, what's the most important thing to consider? Don't focus on the money. Like money is so important, of course. You need that growth capital, but like find an investor that I think can like really bring you strategic value. Like is willing to not just write a check and walk away and you're another another company in their portfolio. They care about you, they care about your mission. They're gonna be an advisor to you, they're gonna pick up the phone. And, but, it, but it also means that like, you have to be a really good founder. Like if you want the best out of your investors, then you need to learn how to communicate really well to your investors, keep them. I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there like don't know how to nurture relationships. And this goes into their personal life. This goes into like your team. Communication is like the, the most important thing that you can learn. If you can master communication, you will be the very best leader that you can be in your personal life, in your, on your team as a founder, and then with your investors. If you communicate really well to your investors and you consistently update them, talk to them, talk about your needs, they will help you, you know? But look for the investor that's gonna, that, that it, it really cares about what you're doing and is willing to bring you that strategic value and make sure that's upfront. Like they upfront are saying, I'm not here to just write a check. I'm willing to open up doors for you. When uh, things really, really suck, like yeah. you're running out of money, people are giving you hassle, Facebook is changing its algorithms, whatever it is, yeah. right? Um, customers are complaining about different things, you can barely focus on anything. 
when it comes to that, you know, the rock bottom, like the troughs of entrepreneurship, yeah. what is your key advice for someone dealing with that? I, a couple things. I mean, first and foremost, you can't help anything, anyone else unless you are centered yourself. So like gain like the habit of learning to know yourself and to take care of yourself. Like whenever I feel overwhelmed, right? And like things are going wrong with my business, things are happening and all that's happening, whether it's money, payroll, you know, anything, you know, like the first thing that I, I always do is like actually go and like take time for myself, like get step back, like step back for a second and like meditate for a little bit, breathe, like really think through like, okay, first and foremost, I got to remember why. Always go back to your why. Why am I doing this? What's important? Like, and because some of the things that you may get overwhelmed with are really not that important, you know? And like, you can, you can solve that issue. But like really center yourself, under, always remember why you're doing what you're doing. That's the most important thing. And then do, with what you, do what you can with what you have with where you are. Try to figure it out. You can always, like, I'm a problem solver. I, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you better be ready to solve problems. That's just the name of the game, you know? Like, understand that it's gonna be a constant putting out fires. It's a constant problem solving. It's a constant, like, adapting. It's part of being an entrepreneur. There's a lot of highs, there's a lot of lows. That's why you need to take care of yourself and take care of your well-being. Don't get so caught up into the hustle that you lose touch with yourself and like what your purpose is and who you truly are. Okay. This was incredible advice. Um, really appreciate you for sure. Thank coming you so on the much. show. Thank you everybody for uh, tuning in. Shout Very out to everyone yeah. from Ivy. I'm super excited to get involved and be like an advocate for Ivy and see ways that we can all work together with founders. So thank you also. Yeah. Really appreciate that. Looking forward to supporting founders. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life. And our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. Check us out at ivy.com for life-changing advice and gatherings, and the foremost thought leaders shaping our world today. For more information about the Ivy community, and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us via membership at ivy.com. Dream big and stay inspired.